Hi Celine, did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hi everyone and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine. And I'm Stephen. So yeah, this week we're going to talk about veganism, vegetarianism, that sort of thing. Um, we're going to talk about the moral implications of meat and, you know, what we've talked about before is in like when you're religious you have all of your decisions made for you but when you're um, atheist or agnostic you need to make your own moral judgments we're also going to talk a bit about like the health of veganism and the climate change effects of veganism so um so yeah as a as an ex-jehovah's witness i was brought up with the belief that i had permission essentially to eat animals and that that was absolutely fine so long as we bled them properly um, and then, of course, when you leave, you've then got this question, is that still OK? Is that do I care about that question? So it's just one of the many questions in the what should I think about um, genre, really. When you leave a, a religion that's told you essentially what to believe, you've then got all of this other set of questions that you've now wonderfully you've got the power to be able to make your own decision about. So, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um we've been pescatarian for quite a while um like you first actually um you'd think that you know pesky annoying gen z or millennial whatever one i am <laughs> would be like forcing you into it but you came back from a trip away didn't you and you were like i am vegetarian now did i i don't i don't remember that is that what you happened went to, you went to bath university for a bit to do some study yeah, yeah. you came back and you were like i didn't eat meat while i was there and I don't intend on doing so anymore. <laughs> We're like, wow, okay. do you know, you've got a better memory than me. I don't remember that at all. No. Uh, but yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I had been thinking about it for a while. We'd, we'd, we've mm. dabbled with this for quite some time and we had done, Yeah. Uh, we, my wife and I, Sarah and I, uh, your mum. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know. otherwise known as mum. Obviously, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and actually when I first met uh, your mum, she was already... Uh, kind of vegetarian she wasn't really she again she ate fish um yeah and i think i don't think she was very strict but she didn't eat she didn't eat meat things like that, uh, lamb and uh, beef and things yeah i think she was fairly strict mm. i remember because she was like because she was fairly strict her mum was like well you have to have this and it was like horrible beetroot juices and like she'd juice vegetables because she was like you need the vitamins nuts cutlets <laughs> yeah and all these horrible things because it wasn't so good no, back didn't in the have day much. You didn't have much choice, really. It was nut cutlets or weird yeah. dehydrated corn that you had to like tofu put boiling water on. Yeah, yeah but yeah, weird who, times. who likes tofu? I like tofu. <laughs> all, we all like it. You're the you're the odd one out. We like tofu. Uh, anyway, um, that's cool. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, that's that's interesting. So, yeah, I think I think what it was was I I, I found that. I could easily do without it and I mm. felt a bit guilty about eating it um, it just felt bad you know for the animals it was just, it wasn't yeah. really well thought through it was just you know oh can I do without this and I, I found that I, I did I've never been a massive meat eater anyway so it wasn't huge as a problem no. for me but yeah so I, I, I started doing that and, and uh, your mum was very quick to agree but we didn't force you to do it because we didn't because as a child we wanted to make sure you you were mm. healthy, but obviously we can address some of those questions now. We didn't really do this in full knowledge of what was going on and what was the best thing to do, but we just felt instinctively that we didn't want to impose that upon you. But I think pretty quickly as you started to grow, um, you, you decided you wanted to take the same. Yeah, also it's like 
if your parents are cooking for you, which often you did, um, as in every night. <laughs> now and again, um, we'd give you some food. Yeah, every night, throw, <laughs> throw a bit of corn at you. No, um, like, you know, you were cooking dinner, both of you. So obviously, like, for a time, I think, me before me and mum joined in proper, um, like, there was, a, there was, like, two separate sauces on the go, and then you'd put one in the other, and it's just like... Mm. This is a lot of effort, isn't it? And also, I was never a big meat eater. Um, so as a child, I'm sure you remember. Or maybe you don't, because apparently I've got the, the memory on this team. But I used to... Um, I always used to, like, if we're having, like, bolognese, I'd just leave, like, a pile of meat in the bowl. And mum's like, can you eat any of that? Mm. I'm like, oh, but I had nice pasta. Or, like, I'd eat the potatoes on a roast and there'd be, like, slabs of meat left. So I was never, like... That wasn't my favourite bit of the meal anyway. It was more of a carb girl anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think after I'd been ill, because I'm sure we've done a podcast on that mm. at some point, um, I remember I really desperately wanted like a proper burger, um, like a beef burger. And I did do that because um, I had like, uh, you can live a perfectly healthy and fine life vegan or vegetarian or whatever but i just i do remember being like i need the meat but other than that i'm not a big fan Mm. Um, yeah i mean we could go on about our own experience but we want to we want to talk about the um the facts don't we and and what the evidence says so yeah uh, we've both done our own bits of research do you want to outline that yeah so um you know who we are and what our biases are now Mm. um (laughs) but yeah so basically we wanted to look into the different sort of like arguments for veganism vegetarianism um so we i've looked more into the like hard line so veganism which is completely no animal products at all um or like when it's food they just call it plant-based um depends on if you're also not wearing leather or not buying wool or that sort of thing but um we'll just use vegan for the sake of ease so um i looked at the health like the you know, health and well-being of a person, is it better to eat a vegan um, diet rather than an omnivorous diet? And also I looked into the climate effects of a um, vegan diet versus a omnivorous diet. And, you know, because that's another one of the ones that gets thrown around a lot, that veganism is really healthy and it's like the way that we're going to save the planet. So I looked into those two things. And then you looked into the ethics a bit, but through Mm. a deep dive. Yeah, so I was quite I was quite amused by a um, a bit of a spat online, really. So I use Twitter quite a lot, and uh, I'm also interested in you know atheistic debates and stuff. And a couple of people that I really admire, actually, Matt Dillahunty and um, Alex O'Connor, um, aka the Cosmic Skeptic, um, had a had a bit of a falling out about this subject, um, which was quite funny, really, and can I say this pretty pathetic if I'm honest um but maybe I shouldn't say that because I do admire them but it's a bit lame it's when you when you (laughs) observe people that you admire um I don't know behaving in pretty childish ways it kind of I don't know it just makes me laugh um anyway so yeah I can talk a bit about that but there's behind underneath that and there's some interesting arguments about the ethics you know is it right is it wrong should we worry about it um and uh, so i think it's quite an interesting area so we can talk about yeah definitely because ultimately it's kind of it all falls into the sort of activism section and there's different ways that people use to get people because they want other people to join them so these are the kind of the triad i suppose of of ways that people will try and get you onto the boat the triad of veganism that's what we should call it the triad of veganism welcome (laughs) so um shall i just kick us off with what i did reading wise so um first things first i looked into the health um because a lot of people would just be like oh i do it for health reasons like i'm about health and wellness you know and i'm doing wibbly arms um uh but you know it's sometimes it's like oh it's not about you know morals and like i'm not preachy it's just like it's about health and wellness and i was like is it good for your health is it better for you? So I was like, I'll let you just Google it. Um, interestingly enough, just to throw this out there before we get too deep in, I did just do a Google, like, is veganism? And then I wanted to see what the autofills were, if you just want something. Um, <laughs> so just to give you an idea of what the general, like, 
um, vibe is because yeah. obviously Google is the most commonly searched autofills, right? So it's like, is going vegan healthy? That's the first one. So that's what I was searching. Um, good for your health, good for weight loss. So the first three are all about that health. Um, then we've got expensive, good, hard, good for your skin, um, healthier, good for IBS and easy. So if you look at that, there's a large chunk of that is about um, your health, basically. Mm. So that was interesting. And interesting that it's like nothing about the ethics, actually. Like, is going vegan good for the animals? I mean, like, presumably, mm. but like, you know, what does happen to the animals afterwards? But anyway, um, just thought that was an interesting little point yeah. to make. Um, so people obviously do care and they're interested about their health and what veganism could do for them. But they don't give us stuff about the animals. <laughs> no, apparently not. But anyway, so I, I launched onto the internet with the first auto search. Um, is it good for your health? Um, so straight away, the you know, you get like a little um, bit of text at the top. You know, the mm. most like Google thinks this is the best answer to provide you with was from Booper. Um, which is like a private healthcare company in the UK, right? Yeah. Um, so by it says, by avoiding foods that are high in saturated fat, such as red meat, cheese, a vegan diet can lower your cholesterol and blood pressure. Vegan diets are often lowering calories because of the lack of meat and dairy products. This means vegan diets can be a good way to lose weight if you're overweight or obese. Um, so that's like a nice clear thing just to pop right at the very front. Um, and then I also was like, I want something a bit more. So I went into uh, the BBC's article um, from their like future section, which kind of just looks as you'd expect, as the name suggests, into fu- into the futures and what's good, bad, what's going on right now in the world. Um, so it's basically, they say it's generally considered to be um, a really high fibre and low cholesterol um, diet. So that's why it's considered quite healthy. Um, and also... Um, you've got it's got less but it also does have less calcium and and uh protein than an omnivorous diet typically though spoiler alert later in the article um no one has ever experienced a protein deficiency other than people that don't eat enough calories generally it's actually really hard to not get enough protein um because everything's got protein even and the the soy milk to dairy milk is comparable in the grams of protein so um, something to not worry about so in terms of health um, people often work they're like about the protein mm. oh god what are you going to do it's mm. really unlikely that you'll ever suffer a protein deficiency um, because they have literally nobody so, so where do you, you get that from? so that is from uh, the BBC article but it's from a um, uh, some, from a person at Oxford University called Marco Springman Mm. who they're interviewing for this information so they've done a study at Oxford and that's what they're going through in this particular article and he's like it is incredibly unlikely you will experience a protein deficiency so first off that kind of ticks off is it healthy well you're still getting your proteins that's the big thing that people the omnivores worry about Mm. um, is their protein so immediately that's sorted Um, interesting side note I suppose is that people often don't worry about the macros and stuff when they're just eating their diet generally. But then when you talk about veganism, it starts to get into that mm. fears. But mm. just to throw that up in the air. Um, but yeah, that's not a thing to worry about. Uh, proteins in everything. Um, he basically says as well that getting your meat from protein... Oh, this guy, I think, is um, he's gone vegan himself. But um, he's like getting your protein from a cow is is like is like as as inefficient as coal because he's like because you're getting grass that does have protein then you're getting the cow to eat it and then you're turning that into the into your protein so he's like it's quite inefficient um so that's the the health thing i know it's a bit yeah he's this is what i'm going to say with these articles they're a bit it's it's coming from it's it's like i would say this article is a little bit it will give the people what they want do you know what i mean rather so the article I've got for later that we'll talk about is from the Journal of Science, which was dense and hard to read, but a lot more mm. just like, here's some facts, whereas mm. this is, you know, a pop pop mm. science mm. article. Yeah. Popular yeah. science articles are a bit more, here's a sensational quote, so you don't mm. know all of what he said. You just get little snippets here and there. Um, but generally, yeah, just the protein thing, not a thing to worry about. Um, so we've found 
that the vegan diet could be one of the healthiest diets outperforming pescatarian and vegetarian because the vegan diet is higher in fruit, vegetables and legumes and the health benefits from this compensate anything else. So basically there's a fear of a lack of B12. So that is one thing to consider in terms of health. Um, so a lot of the time um, the vegan alternative products get fortified with calcium and B12. Um, but if they're not, it is easy to just get a supplement and you have a B12 supplement every day and that's not a big deal. Um, but it is something to say that B12 is not naturally present in a vegan diet. So you B12 do have to, B12. is a vitamin for right. you. Okay. Yeah, it's a really important vitamin. If you don't have that vitamin, you are at a higher risk of stroke and there are, it can cause nerve damage. Like it is really important. Like it's one that we... If, uh, we never talk about really until veganism was on the rise because in an omnivorous diet it it's easy to come across because it is present in meat um and and things like um some dairies but it's not present in a vegan diet it has to be fortified in so a lot of plant milks have it fortified in so if you're having plant milk every day you're probably fine but um not everywhere and not every country okay. does that so you'd have to for you do have to do that so that is a potential risk you need to be aware of and you do need to supplement your b12 so protein you're fine b12 you do have to be aware of that you do have to supplement it it is important to make sure that's in your diet um so other than the the b12 thing they're saying it is a really really healthy diet um you know it as long um as long as you're having a very um rich diet full of different fruits and vegetables nuts seeds because that's where you'll get your omega-3s is from things like flax seeds and hemp seeds and chia and things like that so you you know it's a really healthy diet and what i've wrote in my notes here is basically it's a result of a good meal plan it makes you have a healthier plate so um you know if you're just having a whole foods diet you know with just beans and rices and vegetables like it's it's incredibly healthy and really really good and if you think about the typical um, omnivorous diet, you know, with fatty meats or like lots of cheeses and things like that, of course, it just feels like basic, like common sense. Of course, it's going to be healthier because if you go from having quite a fast food prevalent diet or because that's all meat and such or, you know, just just whacking in some pork chops and potatoes a lot, of course, having to then those things get cut out. You have to be a bit more aware of your food intake. So this is just what I'm thinking mm. when I'm reading this. I'm thinking, well, of course, you're going to have to be more aware. You're going to have to plan your meals. Um, you know, you, you might have to choose where you go to the to the supermarket more regularly and get the right things and, and know what, you know, you'll be turning the labels over all the time saying like, okay, what's this got in this? And you'll just become more aware and I suppose more literate of every, of what the labels mean and what you're putting into your body because you're taking on an awareness that you will have never taken on before so it's not just about abstaining from something it's about the fact that you have to replace it with something else and that something else is healthier or healthy yeah. for you good for you exactly and i think that's a big thing to consider here is that that that's the main thing that i kind of read from that i don't think it's a magic diet you know it's just so i think that's that that's so could i just summarize um yeah for, so i understand what you're saying so um it's not so much that meat is bad for you this is your your kind of this is what i'm taking from it yeah it's not so much that meat is bad for you it's more that by by replacing the meat you're eating things that are actually good for you Mm, exactly not, not all scientists would agree with that i think some like there's a lot of research into the effect of beef um and red meat things like that have you done any research on that yeah so i know that obviously there is a thing that you shouldn't be eating you, you know like I, I remember watching actually a, a doc i don't know if you've heard of dr mike on youtube but um basically his whole reason for doing youtube is to make um stuff like this accessible and watchable um in a platform that people might just stumble across mm. it and he was talking about the fact that like um you know you don't want to be having loads and loads of red meat but it's not like it's gonna it, it comparing it like what, what was done to smoking a pack of cigarettes is not really what the study is saying it's not what the data is presenting it's um it you know and of course it's better to have um more fruits and veggies in your diet but it's not like 
and, and I, you know, as someone that doesn't eat meat and I love the cows, I would prefer people to not eat the cows. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and, and try and warp the study to fit my agenda, I suppose, because it, comparing it directly to, like, meat is, ca- is cancer, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I don't think is particularly useful. But there, there, is, there is quite a lot of research that equates high meat consumption with things like cancer, certain types of cancers. So did you find anything that, that supported this idea that um, eating meat is actually bad for you? Not, not that by replacing it you eat something better, mm. but that eating meat is actually bad for you. Did you, did you find anything? Um, so I didn't, I didn't see any of that. I've got something that's a bit more general, I suppose. It says, um, so something to keep in mind as well is that, um, re- so in, in, in this study... It says researchers are concerned that a lot of the research comparing the vegan diet um, and its health outcomes is potentially unreliable. So, you know, everyone's like, it's healthier, see the evidence. But that's because typically they were saying vegans smoke less, they drink less and they exercise more. <laughs> so that is um, difficult then to compare and mm. say, you know, I, I'm just positing this. I'm not saying that's I'm, I'm taking that mm. quote and just thinking to myself, well, yeah, it's difficult then, I suppose, isn't it to say. Well, they have less instances of cancer because obviously we know we do know there's a link with drinking and and smoking with cancer, and obviously exercise does give your body more um, immunity and strength and so on. So I'm sure that that's probably making it difficult. Um, though I do remember seeing like I'll have to have a look for it in a second. Maybe I do remember seeing quite a scary article which was like showing you pictures of meat and then showing you the amount of like carcinogens that mm. it was saying or whatever mm. so i have to have a look for that and but i do remember there was a lot of like this is sensationalized and like it was a big debate itself so i'll have to see but this is obviously talking in more general terms saying generally vegans are healthier anyway mm. in ways th- that we want people to be so it's difficult i suppose to then know yeah so I, i've heard um i haven't read the the articles myself but i've heard of research that. I think there's been like interviews on the BBC or or podcasts that I listen to, which has sort of said, you know, no amount of meat is safe. Basically, meat is mm. is not safe. Um, and I I I'd like to see the data for that because that sounds yeah. like you say, quite um, it's quite a sweeping statement to make based on the the type of research that we've got. So, I, I mean, I I'm a big fan of science and Mm. research and evidence-based conclusions but i worry a bit about the type of uh research that we we use when it comes to food and often the way that that the media reports on these bits of research are completely ridiculous Mm. because you know you might have a have a bit of research with a with a thousand people or something like that um, and the research it, it, to start with is based on uh, people filling out questionnaires or a diary, a food diary of what they've eaten over the day. Um, Which is problematic in itself, it's, isn't it? It is in itself because we know that people lie on questionnaires. Um, and so, you know, mm. how many pounds of meat do you consume a day? Oh, well, you know. Um, or yeah. if you're recording it, you know, well, how many burgers did you have? Well, I had one burger when really you had two, you know. There's some mm. there's some weird thing about us that means we don't like to actually admit to what we've done. Uh, even well, though... It's like the alcohol, um, <laughs> exactly. you know, when you feel like how many drinks you have. Because yeah. it was really funny because everyone, it was first year, everyone, and like everyone was trying to get into the GP. And, and one of my friends was the only one that filled it out honestly. And <laughs> she got this letter being like, are you okay, <laughs> And they were like, why did you fill it out honestly? No one fills that out honestly. <laughs> that <laughs> you know. is a real problem. It is a real problem. Because mm. obviously that skews the data. Um, yeah. And the, But the other thing that's that's a problem with uh, with this sort of research is, is, is what you mentioned before, which is called confounding variables. Um, so confounding variables are, are things, other things that might be affecting... The, uh, the the difference, if you like, in, in whatever it is that you're trying to research. So, yes, yeah. if you're eating lots of meat, it might also just correlations, you know, will crop up in all sorts of strange ways. So, yes, vegans, just for all sorts of social reasons, tend to 
bike more, for instance, you know. And yeah, they do. They bloody love biking. Yeah. So, so it could be that actually all the benefits associated with veganism are down to the fact that they they bike more. I'm not saying it is, but that's the that's the problem. That's the well, this is the problem, and that's what they say in this study. Yeah. That there's just like they said, um, it's just at the moment it's the the it's observational research. That's right. And, and that is unreliable to a degree. Obviously, it's still interesting and it gives yeah. you somewhere to go from, but it's, you can't base an entire, like, this is what we should do just purely on that. There are some bits of experimental research that, that you could, and that are done, and I think they're perhaps more powerful. Um, but even they don't... So, for instance, you could look at the effect of um, certain types of protein or or types of food stuff on cell division or on how cells work and so on so you could do that sort of very very Mm. controlled type of research but again the problem is when you make it really controlled that helps you with your experiment but it doesn't necessarily mean that's what happens in the real world because you have reflects life does it you have all sorts of things that that then counter or um, mediate or moderate is the actual term those things that happen in the real world so it's really really difficult to have strong scientific evidence for for a lot of it these is. claims and and i think an important quote that i pulled out basically i've i've got a little document where i was popping my quotes in um and it, and it says you know ultimately at the point where we're at they say if you follow a relatively prudent omnivorous diet such as the mediterranean diet which is high in fruit vegetables legumes and low in meat there's evidence to share to suggest this type of omnivorous diet is at least as healthy as a vegan diet so i think that's important and kind of takes me to my main thing of like i'm a big believer in some is better than none Mm. so instead of being like you know just being like well i either do it 100 percent or i don't bother do you know what i mean Mm. i'm like some is better than none do you know what i mean like and and that's a good bit of evidence there to say like just reducing down makes a big difference like just imagine like if, if you think that veganism is amazing and look at those healthy people and like you're like wow but i can't do that and then you just go well i'll just live my like my like unhealthy like version because i just i just couldn't do that then you you take away all that opportunity for all those people that like i just couldn't do that if you're like you could be living a really really healthy lifestyle that's like just as healthy as this one but it's more achievable for you that's just that's great surely and that's brings us all closer to what we want which is healthier people and later down in the list potentially healthier planet you know i think that's a worthy goal and one that gets lost and i think leads us into what you're going to talk about quite well of like this this kind of like totalitarian (laughs) you either do it or you don't and you're either on our team or you're on their Mm. team and it's like what about some is better than none what about if they just you know there was a book that someone got me meatless mondays and they were like we don't think you eat too much meat we just thought it was a nice book but like that's a nice idea if everybody in the country did meatless mondays apparently that would have a huge impact Mm, mm. um and that's that's you know i i i that's where i sit as a as some as in the camp yeah well i think i think that's that's right i remember when um this must have been before i went to to Bath University for my had your, research, your, my, your big brain moment, my Saul of Tarsus moment. <laughs> um, but I think we we'd already started to cheat a little bit with with meat. So like a lasagna or something, we'd buy some corn, which is like meat substitute um, mince, and also some normal mince, and and uh, we'd mix it together. So a curry or a lasagna or bolognese or something it had sort of half and half in it and that was good both in terms of um, cost um, but also in terms of health we thought it was healthy we, we didn't really notice the difference and that that was a that was a nice way for us to start cutting down on the amount of meat we we ate so yeah yeah I think that's that's quite a that that seems like a reasonable um, approach certainly from a health perspective and um, because of the I just feel like there's not enough clear it's not like as you say it's not like smoking we know that smoking and cancer and heart disease and so on there is an absolute undisputed link between those but I don't think we have that 
amount of data for things like eating meat no. certainly not in moderation no, I, I want people to I want more people to eat less meat mm. and I don't think the way to do that is is to smoke and mirrors it do you know what I mean like yeah. I think the best thing to do is say this is what we have right now this is the evidence it is as far as we can see healthier um but you could be healthier by just reducing and you know for me that that's a win yeah um yeah and i don't want i I would rather have more people eating less meat than a few people eating no meat is where i'm at and i think the best way of doing that is just being honest and saying this is where we're at this is the information we have right now yeah um Mm -hmm. so that's kind of yeah that's that's me okay um but that is not what happened in the terrifying twitter tirade that you were about to tell us about (laughs) well i wouldn't quite call it a twitter terrifying twitter tirade although i like yeah but it sounds very good i like the alliteration um yeah so so i suppose uh, i'd I'd become aware of this um, because i follow a lot of people on twitter who are atheists but yeah so uh, it's hard i I don't want to kind of bore you because it is quite a a long conversation and trying to describe a twitter thread yeah exactly it's a bit but i think i think the long and the short of it is um that the two protagonists in this disagreement were uh, matt Dillahunty, who if you're an atheist you you'll definitely know matt Dillahunty because he's a very well-known atheist and he does a lot of debates with theists and religious people um he's also a regular host of the atheist experience which you can watch on youtube if you're interested in these subjects you can watch this and it's just basically two guys or two women um, or a man and a woman. Yeah, you can have or you know, you can have um, transgender people as well. It's actually acceptable to have anybody, anybody who, is, who is able to talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think I'll just not say any of that. Um, people come on. <laughs> yeah. So you have two experts, two atheists who are taking calls from the public and these people from the public are normally uh, normally theists, so they're normally very devout. Uh, they believe in God, often evangelicals or Baptists or something like that. And they try to put forward an argument and then these two panel members uh, shoot them down. And, um, I just can't imagine the balls <laughs> to go on there and be like, it's I'm going to be the one that convinces them of God. Well, what's great <laughs> okay. is you have little, we're going off piece, but it's quite funny. You, know, mm. you have, uh, obviously when you go on any sort of radio show, you, you normally go through to a, uh, a researcher initially who asks you, you know, who are you, what's your point? And they just do a bit of screening. So they obviously, they obviously tell then the hosts, okay, this is Stephen, you know, he he thinks this and um, yeah and then that you're through then you get to talk to Matt Dillahunty and whoever else is with him um, but you know sometimes the 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 thing that they've said to the researcher is I've got a cast iron guarantee that you will believe in God after you've spoken to me and you think yeah the balls of you that's great I love the fact that you believe it and then and then the argument is something that we've heard so many times before you know what about the eye then. <laughs> Um, and it's um, it is quite funny, but anyway. So Matt Dillahunty, mm. very well known in the in the atheist world as a sort of top class debater, um, and then you've got Alex O'Connor who has a YouTube channel called um, Cosmic Skeptic. Who I, I've not watched him so much recently because I think I've kind of moved on from all that. I, I felt that. You know, I don't really need to keep watching it because I know where I stand with all this stuff now. Um, but it's still a very interesting YouTube channel. If you're really interested in getting into the the real nuts and bolts of logic and, you know, philosophy, the philosophy of, of uh, religion and, and atheism and so on. Um, but you've been able to watch a bit of a journey with him who... You know, just like everybody else, I suppose, grew up eating meat and everything, and then gradually he's he because he's very interested in ethics and, uh, you know, uh, I suppose humanist ethics. Um, he's started to become more and more on the side of of uh, veganism. Until now, he's very strongly in favour of this as a as a way of living, and so he was engaging with Matt Dillahunty on on a discussion about. Um, about humanism versus veganism so humanism basically his point and actually he was quoting another one of these youtubers 
um, called Genetically Modified Skeptic. Drew, I think his name is. Again, a very good young debater, young atheist like Alex O'Connor, um, but from the States, who has kind of taken a stand that he doesn't really think that humanism describes him very well anymore. He prefers to be called a vegan or uh, an ethical vegan um, or a sentientist, I think he described it as. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because he thinks that that better describes him. And there's a there's a the feeling amongst people like himself and Alex O'Connor, who kind of retweeted this and discussed this, um, that humanism, because its focus is on human beings, it it it, um, it puts primacy of the importance of lack of suffering and of well-being to humans above the importance of lack of suffering and well-being to animals. Therefore, a humanist can justify eating meat, for instance, um, whereas a vegan would say that that's not ethically justified because you can't explain, you can't justify why it's wrong for us to allow suffering for humans, but it's less wrong for us to justify suffering for animals. So this is the, the ethical dilemma, you know, and this this is what the nub of the problem. And I think Matt Dillahunty was basically saying, well, you know, these these uh, it's perfectly possible for you to be a humanist and a vegan. Um, and the other side of this argument is that that's true. But the problem is, is that humanism tends to have this this focus on human well-being that supersedes animal well-being. Mm. And that was at the nub of the argument. Um, I mean, you, you, at the end of it, you end up with lots of uh, kind of technical arguments. And I did a bit of a rabbit hole thing where I went in to listen to commentaries on this discussion. Um, so that's that starts to get really quite interesting. And, and you end up with arguments about logic and reasoning as opposed to arguments about the actual subject which is i think why i stopped listening to a lot of these guys um because i i admire their um their approach to philosophy and that it's all about reasoning and logic but the problem with it is that that you because you're always mediating reality through language we're always limited by the language and i think that's where I think that's where it breaks down a little bit in terms of trying to understand absolute truth and absolute basics of morality and ethics only based on logical reasoning because that's only as good as the language that we've got to describe it and I think that's that's where it that's where it breaks down mm-hmm. um, and that's where you get into all sorts of difficult conversations around you know uh, did this premise mean that that we can then assume this from this premise or you know did we get an ought from an is and that's you know we can't get an ought from an is you can get an ought from a an ought is or you know oh my goodness you know and it yeah, just gets a bit of having Ugh. a conversation yeah instead yeah. of having a conversation about the ethics <laughs> you're now discussing like how do you talk about ethics and it's like yeah the technicalities of, of how you describe yeah. it and now I, I you know this may be because i'm just not intelligent enough to go into that depth if you like or it could it could be you know but i don't think that's true but regardless of that i think you need to if you care about the grand goal this is what i always think about when all this stuff is kicking off i think i'm just i guess as you get further through life you start to be a bit like oh what are we doing um because i i think when i was like a teenager and early uni i'd be very willing to be like no, you're like this is wrong. We have to do this, da, 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 da. but now I'm kind of like, what are we actually trying to achieve? Okay, like we're trying to achieve less meat consumption, or like, I guess if you're like really hardline, no meat consumption. Is having a discussion about what, like, ethics is, then and like, call, should you call yourself a humanist or should you call yourself a sentientist? Is that gonna help you with your goal? And that's kind of like. I think it yeah it's like not as exciting um as a conversation but like you know if if what you your goal is i want less or no meat consumption then but then you'd have to is that a useful conversation then you'd have to but i suppose you'd have to then 
ask why do you want less meat consumption and put aside for a moment the health benefits and mm. we're going to talk about the just the uh, ethics but if we're just talking about the ethics of it then you have to you have to start with the question of of what actually do you do you want what's the, ethically what's the right thing yeah. and in itself eating less eating fewer animals is not necessarily an end in itself but so where i think most of uh, most of these guys where they draw the line if you like where where they that the, the nub of this is that ethics is essentially about reducing suffering and increasing well-being in the world mm. and then and and if you if you apply that to veganism um then then you you have to say then that re- reducing suffering and increasing well-being has to apply to animals as well as humans and that's why there is this a bit of a I wouldn't call it a schism, but a bit of friction maybe between someone who would just call themselves a humanist and someone that would would say actually that doesn't go far enough in terms of of reducing suffering for other sentient creatures like animals um, or like you know pigs and sheep mm-hmm. and so on. Um, so that I think that's why you get into that. It's not because they just want to talk about it for the sake of it but it's because mm. why do you not want to eat meat well because we want to reduce suffering so why so why is it okay then to to eat animals which causes suffering um but not to eat humans which also causes suffering um and that's where you that's where you start to get into some difficulties mm. uh because it's hard so so alex o'connor's point is if you are to say it, it's it's actually it's acceptable to um, kill animals for food, why why is it not acceptable to kill humans for food? So what is the difference? And that his point is that if you're just saying well it's just because we're human that's not good enough. You have to explain what is it about the nature of human beings that means that it's ethically more important not to cause human suffering. Than it is to cause animal suffering, uh, and if you start to knock them off one by one, you know. So, do animals um, experience pain? Do humans experience pain? Yes, they both experience pain. Do they experience fear? Yes, it's very clear that animals do seem to experience fear. Our little dog is having a bit of a dream, so she's making cute noises. Can you hear it? Yeah, that's oh, so cute. It's okay. I think it's a bit of a bad dream. That's all right. Okay. Um, oh talk about humans and animals experiencing suffering. So yeah, I mean the very fact that an animal can have a bad dream and express the same sort of things that we would if we were having a bad dream suggests that animals do experience the world at least in some way oh. that is. And now she's angry. Now she's angry. <laughs> Somebody's outside. Uh, animals do experience the world in a way that that we can recognize you know that that makes sense to us um and as soon as you start getting into all of that you start to it starts to become more and more difficult to justify why uh, and again you know are we talking intelligence and then the argument is well, what about people who are very low in intelligence is that okay then to to eat those people you know <laughs> no obviously not so why why is it okay to eat an animal that is intelligent sentient social um it gets scared it um it has an in inner world if you like um why is that okay and it's not okay to to to, to do anything like that to a human being and, and i think that, that's an important question um that i think yeah hmm. yeah i get you i think it's um in terms of the grand debate wise why is it hard to talk about that because it it brings people's moral compass and like what your beliefs are and it's more you know you feel like you're being attacked quite quickly don't you so it's like you know if you have this conversation with someone that eats meat and they'll be like you'd really i think generally you'd quite want to defend that it's okay wouldn't you because you don't want to be faced with the fact that like that animal was really sad and scared when it died Mm. you don't want to be told that and no you know 
yeah, it's it's unpleasant. It cre- it evokes un, un, unhappy emotions in a person. Mm. So that's why I think it does... That particular argument creates a tirade, as I call yeah, it, no and, matter where you put it. And I think, um, you know, I, I don't know enough about... I haven't, you know, followed all of the the ins and outs of this argument, but quite a lot of people kind of say that uh, Matt Dillahunty, who is the, one of the characters in this uh, this drama and he doesn't really want to talk about this subject so he doesn't think it's relevant to the questions that he thinks are important like you know atheism versus theism and so on and and uh, that's fair enough you know so when he's debating if he doesn't want to debate about that that's fine um but it is quite it is quite difficult to ignore it as a subject because as an atheist you get dragged into the question of ethics and morals so theists say that um, we have morals because god gave them to us so we know what's right and wrong because um god told us it's wrong to murder he told us it's wrong to do this wrong to do that and so on so that's where we get our morals from and they even argue that as the rest of humanity even those who are atheists like me um Mm -hmm we actually get our morals from from religion as well, from the Bible, obviously, Christians would say. So the reason that I think it's wrong to murder is because ultimately I come from a society which has come from this idea that it's wrong to murder, which has come from the Bible. And so that's the argument for, for God. As far as many people are concerned, that is absolutely the slam dunk argument for God. So they don't argue about evolution they don't argue about evidence and all that but if they're just a theist they're not too worried about proving the biblical kind of um evidence and all of that if they're just a theist then the absolute slam dunk argument as far as they're concerned is morality because without morality how do we know what's right and wrong so that's how are we different from the yeah animals? so that's why atheists get dragged into this this question mm. and have to sort of address it Another question for you as well, I think, or something to bring in is just, I remember um, there were stories as to why in the Bible that we do eat meat. So obviously we were given steward, yeah, I mean, obviously in terms of these stories, yeah. we were given stewardship of the earth, um, including the animals. Um, but we weren't meant, I, I'm going by what I was taught, you know, in RE, religious education class and what I know from our backgrounds. Mm. Um but that you know we were given stewardship of the earth and the animals and at some point we were given permission to eat them but we weren't always meant to eat them i do believe we were given permission to at some point by god yeah jehovah whatever one um you believe and do you know more about that because that's as general as i have yeah so i i think it's it's um it's fairly common amongst fundamentalist christians to explain that we weren't originally meant to eat animals um but it was only after the flood now this this oh get this this does not make any sense but i'm gonna say Mm -hmm. it anyway so Mm -hmm. okay we have the flood and after the flood big arc time Mm -hmm. yeah big arc time which meant that all the uh a representative um stock of all the the animals um got put onto the ark or at least the the main species of all the animals came onto the ark um some two by two but others there were more but anyway they they go they go onto the ark and then there's a great flood that literally wipes out every living thing on the face of the earth obviously not the fish because they must have been quite happy uh, anyway but but the land animals and the birds, because they had nowhere to land. So all of that, gone. So when they come out of the ark, first thing Noah does is sacrifice one of the animals. What a waste. Yeah. <laughs> He's not got many animals and he sacrifices one of them. But anyway, that's what he does. Um, and there's a, we get the rainbow covenant, which is where a rainbow appears and God says that he'll never flood the earth again. Uh, but he reserves the right to destroy it in fire and sulfur, obviously. But anyway, that's that's a different matter. Um, but it's at, this, it's, it's at this point, essentially, that man is given permission to eat animals because of the lack of food that is in the world. But surely there's a lack of animals as well because there's only the few that were on the ark. 
So and then Noah ate all of the animals and they died. So, so this explains why we don't have unicorns anymore, maybe, because... Um, we, you know, we ate them. What, like Voldemort in, like, in the third Harry Potter? Like, me. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's the... So God allowed us to eat animals, although that wasn't the original intention. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have the idea a... idea of rearing them yeah. to eat them, because that's what we could do. And I think that's that's at the heart of a lot of the the easy way that christians and certainly from my background jehovah's witnesses just just happily um carry on eating meat because well god gave us the 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 right to eat meat you know it may not have been in his original plan but he has told us we can do that therefore we can eat them my moral question there is like well god gave you the right because you needed to but if you don't if you no longer need to then surely he would be like but Could he, you stop it now? Yeah, he never <laughs> rescinded that. So as far as, you know... Yeah, but that's like when your parents says you can like stay up one night and then they didn't tell you to go to bed the next night and you're like, well, last night you said blah, blah, blah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and the, the other thing that's, uh, I mean, definitely unique to the JW experience or ex-JW experience is the is the prohibition on blood. So um, the, the, the thing that, that we got told was that you can eat any meat you like um but you're not allowed to eat the blood that um should be drained so if if you eat an animal then it should have had its throat cut essentially and it should have been bled so that you're not eating the blood of the animal which is yeah which is not um uncommon like lots Mm. of the religions do that like um judaism and um muslims also have yeah, yeah they have their own um you know set of reasons and reasons as to why but they also have a no blood thing but the, interestingly in in the israelites time there was a um there was a lot of dietary prohibitions so you couldn't eat pork you couldn't eat any animal that had certain characteristics <laughs> yeah um and and so those were those again that some of that is still practice halal meat and um kosher meat um so yes, there's, there's lots of these prohibitions, but Christians say, well, that all was done away with when Jesus uh, came. He basically did away with the old law covenant, with all those rules that, that God had given to the Israelites. Um, but the the allowance to eat meat preceded that, so that happened at the Noah around Noah's time, and also the blood uh, restriction for Jehovah's Witnesses uh, in Acts, and is a abstain from blood is a a uh, a requirement of early christians and so that means not eating blood products uh, according oh, to the no, no black pudding for you. no black pudding and no anything that's got blood in it but i mean the, the reality is is that all meat no matter how how well you bleed it, it's going to have blood cells in yeah. it isn't it i mean it's just mm. you're clearly if you're eating a steak uh, you're cutting into the steak there's blood coming out of that steak you're not telling me that you're not eating blood no exactly so but that's the interesting thing that's why you know we brought all this in is because um you know there is a relationship between eating meat and religion so then in when you go into the atheist side not only is it about morality but it's just you've got all of that conversation about meat and religion so then where do you stand when you're now free as you've discussed you in in our trailer it says you had to come to decisions are based on all kinds of things that now you could decide and before religion decided how your relationship was with meat but then when you leave religion what's your relationship with meat and how do you go into that and i think that's why it is relevant as much as the conversation didn't end up being um particularly like um practical or or maybe it was maybe it did launch some people into an interesting conversation but i think that is why it is relevant because it is it is because again you know that this very point that you know theists say we get our rules from god um and atheists say we don't get our rules from god we've got to work it out ourselves and that is then eating meat that's one of them becomes one of them doesn't it yeah because that was a decision mm. made for you so yeah that now has to be a decision that you make and you make with some thought absolutely um i guess the other moral um and ethical questions relate to with veganism relate to not just eating animals but also exploiting them and the the life that they lead so that we can have eggs and milk and cheese and things like that which is again another worry i mean we do try to eat um free range organic dairy we have our own things chickens. like that 
We even have our own chickens, mm. who unfortunately don't currently because we've only got two left. They mm. can't keep up with our demand, so we do have to buy free range eggs and we buy free range milk. And you get them from a nice little man, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right then. He might be horrible. Yeah. He might be killing the animals in the background with machetes. No, he's the nice fruit and veg man, <laughs> and he also has eggs. He's lovely. Anyway, so we're, I think we must move on to to the third element, yeah. which is the the environment. I won't keep I us here for too long. Yeah. Um, I think the middle section was probably our chunkiest because it's the most yeah. open to debate. Um, but I'll I just would like to get get a little bit of this in there before we 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 wave um, wave away. But um. What I did on the final section was about the planet, because I think that's another really important one to discuss. I really care about the state of the planet. Um, it's not even the planet. It's, I, it's it's our ability to exist on this rock. Exactly. I worry about it. Exactly. Um, because the planet will go through phases of life and it will do what it will do. Um, you know, whatever we leave it as, it will do things, but we could kill ourselves by behaving the way we do. So interesting to see if veganism could help save us from ourselves um so i was looking at that basically so i went and i read uh, there was a guardian article that talked about um the uh journal of science and i was like i would like to read it directly from that because um it's dense and it's hard to read but it was worth looking at it just as a quick aside um if you can force yourself to read the more dense one you do get a more kind of clinical sciencey picture rather than the the pop science version that's a bit more like you know it has an agenda and a purpose and so on whereas this was just the research um just to throw that out there but so so um i've got some little chunks and i've got some highlighted bits that i wanted to talk about so um what moving from a current diet that is typical like an omnivorous typical diet i think it mainly looks at the american diet um which is very high meat consumption it is one of the if not the highest meat consuming nation um that we have so it says that if we moved from that kind of diet one that excludes all animal products um yeah specifically says for the united states where per capita meat consumption is three times the global average um dietary change has the potential for a far greater effect on um foods different emissions reducing them by 61 to 73 percent so you know the co2 all of the other emissions because there isn't just co2 there are lots of ramifications like there's an entire section that is very long listing all of them but just think in terms of what we all understand just in terms of co2 that would be reduced by up to 73%. So 73% ex- reduction if we if we, we cut out cut out entirely. Yeah, entirely. Okay. Okay. So that is completely no meat, um no dairy, vegan. Okay. You would cut the CO2 produced by food. This isn't just the, the global CO2. This is the CO2 produced by food, food production. production. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um so that you know obviously there's all the other kinds of food production but just just cutting out the meat production um and moving to meat alternatives would reduce by 73 percent up to though the lower estimate is 61 but that's still a lot um so um it also says about uh, the important thing to consider here is basically this article was talking about ways that basically the food industry could be better so veganism is obviously one that they were looking into um they're also talking about the way that um we package food so and you know the environmental waste that creates um the way that that the practices the agricultural practices themselves so um particular ways that you um rear cattle in different ways you can you could rear cattle in a way that does create less co2 than one and the other so that's the stark one at the beginning um so basically yeah so you know um the consumption of animal products is halved by replacing with um vegetable equivalents this achieves the 71 percent scenario um however what it basically says here is widespread behavioral change will be hard to achieve in the narrow time frame remaining Mm. so just think about the important thing that we need to remember here is that 
we don't have as much time as we'd like to have in terms of needing to create really important change for us to continue to live the lives that we're comfortable living now we don't have loads and buckets of time and behavioral change as you will know doing what you do for a job is very very hard and to get the whole world um to cut out meat is a really 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 big ask um so what they're saying would be a good option would be um is is if we had people just eat less so um so the first scenario was that you get rid of it all to achieve 73% less emissions from food production. The second scenario, which we think is more likely and more more practical and something that we should seek after, um, is that we have each animal, so say if everyone ate half the amount of chicken they eat, half the amount of beef they eat, eat if you do that with each animal, um, and half the amount of cheese and so on, if you did that and replaced it with a vegetable equivalent, so like a plant-based um you know like corn or something like that this achieves the same 71 percent in the previous scenario wow so just think about that that's amazing um and the thing is it's just it's more likely Mm. um and i think that's the important thing to consider so there's a bit of discrepancy that's you know a few percent different 73 71 Mm. but that's amazing so so you're saying so the paper is saying that Mm -hmm. the that if we cut out um, animal uh, husbandry altogether, we cut out animals mm-hmm. in our diet altogether. Mm-hmm. It would be seventy three percent up to seventy three percent reduction in greenhouse gases. Mm-hmm. If we cut it by half, it's seventy one percent. Is that right? Yeah, that's what it's saying here. Because wow. I've got, I took both these sections. It's a particular section. If anyone would like to look at it themselves. It's called Mitigation Through Consumers okay. in the article itself. Send me the link um, and I'll put it in the, um, the description. Yeah. Because they these sections are direct, like that they're, they're um, right there for you. But okay. that is what, that really surprised me. Um, mm. But like I said, this whole sum is better than none. And in fact, maybe even nearly just as good mm. as. Um, and I think that, you know, they're not saying that, that that's probably including, you know, doing some better practices with the meat that you do produce for example like it says um the research also looked into different techniques used to produce the same foods and found that vast there are vast distinctions in terms of environmental impacts mm. so beef cattle reared on natural pastures used 50 times less land than those raised on deforested land the latter can lead up to 12 times more greenhouse gas emissions by comparison so you could um like you can you can do things so if you're eating half the amount of meat and you raise cattle in a way that is more um environmentally friendly which is just you know using um pastures instead of deforesting you know you you can have a really big impact um also the article discusses bringing in the use of environmental labels so you know the way that we have like vegan now or like um gmo or whatever like that um we can do a whole discussion on GMO, mm. but there mm. are labels for it. Um, we could have one that is um, that would highlight this is a environmentally like good product because it's been produced using less greenhouse gas. It's used proper agricultural practices that are much better um, because they were saying that that will help drive that behavioural change as well. Mm. And it will give people education and knowledge as to what to do. Because if you have two packets of beef... And, um, you know, one is, you know, more uh, environmentally friendly than the other. You might be more willing to buy the environmentally Mm. friendly one Um, because, you know, as we get more aware and concerned about our future as humans on this planet, those sort of things would be important, I suppose. Um, So so it's 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 a whole, you know, base of things. Also, it's saying about doing taxes on people, heavier taxes on people that refuse to take part in the mm-hmm. best practice and subsidiaries for people that do and so on like that to include businesses so it's people it's businesses it's about doing what we can with the time that we've got um and i, I just was like it gave me a bit of hope mm. <laughs> because i think you know the idea that we've got to get everyone vegan now and that's the only way to save the planet yeah. is kind of terrifying because i can't believe that that's going to happen i no. i just don't think that but i can believe that people could 
have half the meat that they have in a week you know i can believe people doing that um especially you know and and i suppose this is for me you know regard this is where it's kind of like it's a separate conversation to the ethics one because it's like you know ethically you'd rather if you don't if you don't believe that people should eat meat that's just a flat you shouldn't but when we're talking in terms of you know stats um like health and the planet just doing some is so much better than doing nothing um Mm. and it really you know it really could have an impact and that's amazing what about uh, what i'd be interested in is is the explanation of why the greenhouse gases are increased with uh animal production or animal uh food coming from animals so what why is what where's this greenhouse gas coming from uh, when we eat more animals did, did it say anything about that in the paper yeah so it didn't um specifically say i think it is due to how it is produced is a big is is a big part in it because um uh when they do the deforesting is a really efficient way in terms of time product created it does talk about somewhere that it does talk about water usage there is a lot of mm. water usage but i think it is um the way that things are packaged like all of these things come into play um and and yeah just it's maybe not a particularly lean it's not lean in terms of waste output in terms mm. of co2 waste output and we've not been thinking we've been thinking about money output and we've been thinking about um product output and we've not been thinking about co2 as a waste product that we need to be concerned with so Mm. i suppose now that that is a concern hopefully that that is you know what what starts to drive change i suppose if somebody hasn't read the paper but done other Mm. other bits of reading um i would suggest it's because of uh deforestation um, it's because of the the animals themselves producing quite a lot of the greenhouse gases just because mm. that's part of their bodily functions, if you like. But also, big important thing that people forget is a, a majority of um, crops that you see in the fields are not grown for us. They're grown for the animals to feed on so that we can kill mm. the animals to eat. So yeah. that's where I think a lot of people get mixed up. They think, well... You know, yeah, it also takes a lot of energy mm. and resources to grow crops. Well, that's mm-hmm. true, but we're growing most of our crops for the animals to eat, yeah, so that we yeah. can then kill the animals. So that's that's the it's problem. It's quite inefficient at the moment. In I that respect, yeah, mm. yeah, but yeah. So I just thought that was kind of a bit hopeful, but also mm. um, ends on my kind of like my my mantra for this week of some is better than none, and like you know we can achieve a lot with just eating a bit less like it looks mm. like you could be really you could be really healthy yeah and you you know you could do a lot for the planet and you could maybe feel a bit better about yourself because you're like oh i don't <laughs> eat that much meat yeah, that's right <laughs> but yeah okay but cool yeah, nice one all right let's uh, let's leave it there there's plenty to talk about still though that maybe another time the social and political questions around uh, meat eating because i think that's one of the big sticking points for a lot of people um but for now We'll leave vegetarian veganism at there and just say thank you very much for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening and give us a tweet or a um, comment somewhere, rate the podcast, all of that good stuff. Please do. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. What Should I Think About is an Evil Sheep production. 